I'm Yamilka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and dive deep into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality, learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships, because everything starts with you. Hello, hello, and welcome to Brown Therapist Podcast. I'm so, so excited to have my friend Natalia Bilship on today. But before we get on with the questions, I'm going to go ahead and read your bio, Natalia. So Natalia is Director of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at the University of Louisville. She's CEO and founded Story Louisville, the first co-working space dedicated to growing a startup ecosystem in the city of Louisville, bringing accessibility and equity into our startup community, helping women gain skills to develop their careers and explore their interests by giving content creators the tools they need to share their passion and knowledge, live online and demand in curated marketplace and supportive community. In addition, you have a lot of passion projects, which include being chairperson of the board of Wild Accelerated for Female Founders, board of member for Actors Theater of Louisville, and host for Amplifying Louisville and Russell tech business incubator for Black and Latino ex-founders. Man, you are doing so many things. I'm just keep reading and reading. So Natalia, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much, Amilka. Thank you so much. I'm very, very glad and um, very honored that you asked me to be here. So thank you for that. So excited to ask you the question. So this is what we call the Brand Therapy Podcast. But before we get started with the questions, I want you to tell the audience what you do, what you're focusing on, what you're excited about. Yeah. So the one thing that is missing from the bio, and it sounds like a lot. I know it sounds like a lot, but two things that are missing from the bio are, first of all, earlier in this year, to call on a role as a general partner for a venture capital fund called Renew VC. I'll get into why that is important. I wanted to really make sure that I mentioned it because it kind of relates as to how my entire journey has gone full circle. And then the second piece is, you know, I have a a wonderful family, a a wonderful husband and two children and a dog who sometimes drives me nuts. And that part is also maybe not instantly uh, something that I bring up, but I think it's important to kind of bring up in this context so that we can talk about what it's like to do all the things and not do it so great. And then sometimes do great and (laughs) all of that fun stuff. Yes. And the other thing that we didn't mention that I forgot to say is you're originally from Colombia. Yes. (laughs) Arepas. Arepas. (laughs) Arepas, cumbia, Carlos, Shakira. (laughs) So many things, so many things. You know, we're used to talking in Spanish to each other and this is like, you know, we're talking in English. So it's kind of strange for me, but but it's it's all good. The other thing I wanted to ask you, you know, this wouldn't be a brand therapy podcast if we didn't talk about childhood. So tell me about your childhood and how that was part of who you are today. Yes. So I grew up in Colombia. I actually was in Colombia until I turned 17 before coming to Louisville, Kentucky. And my childhood was really interesting. I actually don't remember a lot of my childhood. I didn't really have a traumatic event happen per se, but earlier in my childhood, my parents divorced and I sort of blocked out a bunch of stuff. I've gone through a lot of therapy and still didn't work. So I'm 
I'm kind of in the dark as to what happened, but what's interesting is the dynamic because I was a middle child. And, you know, as in many Latin American countries, when your mom is a single mom and she has to work a lot, you know, I sort of became like a, the parent child. And so that was very defining to how I uh, move through life in general. I usually um, the person that takes care of others and sort of takes charge in situations most of the time. And it's really sort of guided how I move through the other piece is that if you know anything about Colombia or Latin America, you'll know that our people are very lively and vibrant and energetic. And I mean, I pride myself in feeling that I, I represent that a lot. So when I come into spaces, I try to find the joy in whatever situation I'm in and sort of bring that same feeling to the people that are around me. So having grown up in that environment, I think really shape who I am. And yeah, that's the thing that I carry that through everything. Oh, I love that. I know that when you started your career, at least when I met you, you were doing a lot of photography and you had mm. a studio and that's kind of how you became the first one to really have a co-working space because you yeah. provided a studio for other photographers as well. Not just photographers, but you were also helping entrepreneurs and people who wanted to do things in, in a little different way, way before 2020, right? Right, right. And it's really funny to come from that creative entrepreneur background and see the change of how my life has changed. Like when I look back 15 years ago or 14 years ago, I'm like, what is that lady doing here? Virtual <laughs> 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 capital 15 years later. So I started as a creative entrepreneur, as you mentioned, and I don't think I was ever even envisioning that this is how my life was going to turn out to be. I was just trying to like, be home with my baby and not have to take a full-time job and still be able to replace my corporate job salary. That's all I really wanted. But the more I got exposed to entrepreneurship at scale, to technology, the more I realized that that was something that I had discounted myself as not being able to attain really early on because I didn't understand it. Facebook is for guys in San Francisco that are 18 years old and wear a hoodie that are dropouts out of Stanford, right? It's not for some lady <laughs> in her thirties that, you know, has a newborn child. So, you know, I kind of had that tape in my, in the back of my mind. And then once I sort of got to be immersed in that world of other founders of people that were doing stuff at scale, I started looking at him being like, well, he can do it or she can do it. So can I, like, right. Why can't I, that really emboldened me. And as I was building the community space and as I was building that part of the community, I built myself up too to try new things. I launched my first startup, a technology startup, even though I couldn't code. And it did remarkably well. Did all the things that, you know, a founder does. And so, yeah, that's how my journey kind of went from being a creative entrepreneur to slowly moving into the technology side and going through all the experiences that I've gone through. That's amazing. Amazing. So I want you to tell us, all of us have like a little fame story that we sometimes forget about or we don't really talk about. So I want you to tell us your fame story. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you something. I don't think it's a fame thing. I think it's more of like, a, I just know a lot of people. I try to remember people, as best, especially like names or very small details about their, like when you come out, I really do deeply care about the interactions that I have. And 
you know, when I'm meeting someone new, I, I usually will make sure that I ask a question that's not work-related and then I'll repeat their name in my mind and then just whatever, right? So that when I see them next, I can say, hey, such and such, how's your dog doing? And they'll sit there and be like, wait, I can't remember. I can't believe you remember that. But the other day, my sister and I were going down the highway and she pointed out a car and she was like, oh, look at that really cool car. And I was like, well, that is a really cool car. And I look into the car and I was like, oh, that's such and such. And the person waved at me and I waved back like, hey, how's it going? And my sister goes, only you will be driving down the highway and see some random car and know exactly who's inside of it. (laughs) (laughs) That is cool. That is cool. I know it's, well, you've been here. I mean, you've been in Louisville for 20 years and once you get into where you're out, you know, with a co-working space and all, you get to meet a lot of people and now on boards and all, I mean, I know that you mentioned, I mentioned the Actors Theater of Louisville. That's, that's a huge board. My husband just joined that board. So hopefully hey. you'll, you'll see him at some point and say, hi, I know you, Milka. <laughs> anyway, so let me ask you this. What is Natalia's brand? What is Natalia's brand all about? If I had to put a word to it, I think that people would think joyful and energetic and kind. Those are the words that I would use, not just to describe myself, but how I want people to interact with everything that has my personal touch. You know, I'm the kind of person who is interested in the present moment. I mean, as much as I'm interested in the outcome of whatever it is that I'm doing at the moment. So when I'm doing something, I want to do it with a lot of passion, uh, with a lot of gusto I want to have while I'm doing it. So that will be what my personal brand will be. It's also messy, which I realized weirdly. The other day, I had a a really good friend of mine talk to me. We were discussing a couple of local business leaders who are both male and people that I really actually admire a lot. And, you know, I was like, hey, I wonder why such and such didn't call me for that. And he goes, you know, they're really intimidated by you. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm not intimidated. I'm like, but of course, I'm inside of my body, so I can't really say that. <laughs> and, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm kind of a hot mess. Like, I'm kind of all over the place and things are, you know, and I try to really make sure that those moments of not right or a little messy, I try to make sure that I'm speaking them out loud because I think it's really important that when people read your bio and they're like, oh, look at everything they're doing, right? They need to also see what you're struggling and when things are difficult. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I see where you're going with that. So, well, we'll go into that in a second, but let me ask you this, which kind of relates to this. What is your greatest fear? Hmm. I mean, I I used to be worried about not doing enough. For me, like a lot of life is service, right? And and I want to make sure that while I'm here, I am of service and that I'm able to contribute to my community and to my children and to my 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 own life. I think my greatest fear would be that it it won't be long enough <laughs> to do all the things I want to do. But I think that used to be my biggest fear. Now my biggest fear is not to enjoy it enough. You know, I feel like I am making that difference. I feel like I am I see the the meaning in, in the work that I do in my everyday. I worry that I don't sit down and pause and say, wow, look, I am enjoying the rewards of being here or the time. So the being present piece is the hardest part. Yeah. So tell me a moment in time where you felt you were holding back. Well, I have had lots of moments like that in my professional career. And I think I didn't realize I was doing it at all until probably 
seven years ago, I always knew that I was capable. I always knew that I was a strong woman, that I was a smart woman, but I didn't realize that I was operating at like a three when I, I really am a 10 and that I could operate at a 10. So it just, it took a little bit of like permission setting with myself, right? Of like, hey, it's okay that you are a badass. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's okay. It's okay if everybody else is uncomfortable with it, right? I think that that realization sort of came when I had my first kid. And, you know, they sort of put the baby in your arms. And if you're a parent, you may know this. And you're like, oh, I love you very much. But then there's immediately this, this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm now responsible for you to be a happy person. <laughs> <laughs> but in order for you to do that, you have to go out into the world and give it your best. And you, I got to tell this kid that I'm holding that you get to be the best that you can be and you get to blah, blah, blah and move mountains and be the president and do whatever. Well, how do you say that to somebody if you're not doing it for yourself, right? How do you look right. at someone in their eyes and really convey that when, and whatever that is, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or, or a stay-at-home parent or you have a multi-billion dollar company or a fund or whatever it is, whatever that calling, if you're not pursuing it, how do you get someone, how do you lead someone into pursuing that? And so for me, that was a moment where I was just like, oh, I'm operating way below where I need to be for my own happiness. So it's time to switch it up. And so it's time to level up, like you're, <laughs> you say yourself, time to level up. And, you know, a lot of us, we don't get to where we're at without having a guide or a mentor or somebody who really helps us through this. Can you tell me a story about somebody who kind of helped you through your hard times or certain pieces that you needed to get through in your life. I agree with that. You know, I think being self-made is a fallacy, right? Like no one is self-made. When you talk about self-made millionaires, yes, they bootstrap, they pull themselves, they did most of the work, but there's always someone opening a door. For me, that person, more often than not, is Carla Deering. She is a dear friend of mine. We served together in the wild board. We've known each other for a few years now. She herself is a founder who has exited multiple times. So she's a phenomenal entrepreneur. But more than anything, I think she is one of the most kind of uh, human beings. And she has a way of making things very clear to me. She's a great sounding board when it comes to you know ideation, when it comes to walking through solutions to problems, when it comes to connecting so she's someone that I adore dearly. There's a bunch of other people we can go on all day, uh, how people have opened doors for me and made me a part of their circles and said the right thing to me at the right time, provide a funding provider effort. But she's someone who I can always be dial and, and say, hey, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. And I also have had hard times because I'm a parent child. I have a hard time with authority. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a hard time taking advice and asking for help. There's just not as many people that I will want to call and say, hey, what? so it's like her, I'm, I got one uncle that I call and that's it. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's hard when you're a self-made woman, right? And you got through the trenches and all that and, and you think you, you can solve everything on your own, but you do need people around you that can just be a sounding board or can help you look at some ideas because on your own, it's just, it's not as good. It's really hard. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want you to tell me two or three lessons learned that you've had over this time as an entrepreneur. 
So I think the first lesson that I learned through the fundraising episode of my life, which I've been now multiple times, is now my third thing that I'm fundraising for, fourth thing that I'm fundraising for. I mean, it started with, uh, let's fundraise for soy when I went from like, hey, here's a small, you know, 1500 square foot photographer studio. And then we were like, hey, let's take this concept and make it into offices and all this stuff. I needed to raise money. And then the second time was, okay, I'm going to launch a little app and then I need, you know, a million dollars. So that was the next time. Then it's like, okay, Wild, which is our accelerator, needs money. And now we need, you know, half a million dollars. So raise for that. Now we're raising a $50 million fund for founders through Renew VC. So this is now my fourth time doing something. And incrementally, it's going way higher and higher. And, and the biggest lesson I learned on the second round of on fundraising. Um, the first round of fundraising, I learned that you literally don't know where money is going to come from. <laughs> it could be just a handshake and relationships are everything. You have no idea where that person is going to connect you next. That will lead you to the thing that you're looking for. And so always treat people with the kindness and respect that they deserve. And so that was the first lesson because that money came from an angel investor who I had never met, who was a literal warm introduction from someone that I didn't even have a huge relationship with. I had a good relationship with, but not like a super deep relationship with that I had just gone through a 40 under 40 thing. The second one was uh, as I was fundraising for Level Up, I had the opportunity to speak to 118 uh, venture capital investors. At that time, I was raising a million and a quarter. And it was probably the most grueling, difficult work I've ever done in my life. (laughs) Not just because the audience itself was having a hard time really understanding what the problem meant because most of them were, you know, white and male and I'm selling a product specifically for women. And so that was a bit of a disconnect, but really it, it led me to questioning my own self-worth, right? Because as an entrepreneur, you t- kind of tend to tie your mm-hmm. thing that you're building with, am I good enough? Right. Yeah. Um, and when you're talking to 118 people to get to a million and a quarter, you get to a million and a quarter at the end of the day, it doesn't kind of work out the way you thought. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of feelings of what am I doing wrong? What is wrong with me? Why can I do it? Well, come to find out only 58 Latinas had ever raised over a million dollars in the world. So I was like, okay, maybe there's nothing wrong with me. Maybe a lot wrong with the system. But also, you know, like just really having to go through a lot of therapy to get there. <laughs> like, <Yeah. yeah. laughs> so I think the lesson was you are enough. You are enough no matter what, no matter if you fail, no matter if you succeed, which leads me to lesson number three is a success and failure are both completely temporary, right? Everything is completely impermanent. And so I don't consider myself successful or a success. I've just currently experienced some success, right? At the same time, I experience failure and success at the same time daily. So it's like, I'm not going to get hung up on either. Right, it's something that is happening to me at the moment, and then you just move on to the next thing. Yeah, I love that. Well, before we go on to our next question, I wanted to ask you: How hard is it to put together some sort of VC, and how did you get so excited about doing that? VC for me, for those of you in the audience that may not be familiar with the term VC, is venture capital, and it is essentially a funding mechanism to fund companies that are growing at scale typically technology companies, but it could be other types of companies. And I honestly was not excited about it. I was Ah. angry about it. (laughs) I was kind of pissed. (laughs) I I call it anger into action, 
Uh, (laughs) For me, it was a moment of disappointment at the system. The more I dug, the more angry I got (laughs) at how it worked and understanding that only like 1.3% of venture capital in the world, which is what makes companies grow big, companies like Twitter, what makes them grow that big is that infusion of capital. And only 1.6% of that capital is going to historically marginalized founders. So founders of color, black, brown, indigenous, queer founders, females, and even less money to women of color. So it's billions of dollars and we get a tiny, tiny slice, which means our companies don't grow big, which means we don't have wealth moments, which means the cycle continues itself. And there's a lot that is changing, that is happening over the last couple of years with the climate and everything that just kind of been going on, but it's not happening as quickly as it needs to happening uh, to be happening. And so I was angry and I was like, well, my plan had always been to grow level up, which was my technology company, my software company into a really big company so I could exit it. And once I exited that, I was going to create a venture fund. I decided to give it a go and go to Stanford and do a venture capital certification And so that's what gave me the thing to do. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wait seven to 10 years. I can do it today. What does it look like? And here I am. So, Wow. So the Renew VC is yours. I am a general partner. So there are actually seven of us uh, in the fund. Uh, We are in North America. So we have partners. I'm here in Louisville. And we have people in Cincinnati, Atlanta. Uh, We have someone in BC. And then we have two of our partners that are in, in Toronto. So we're kind of a little bit all over the place. We all have different sort of skill sets and things that we bring to the fund that we're able to transfer to our companies in our portfolio. And yeah. And women? All women? So 60% of us are women. 60% of us are women. We have two guys. but (laughs) (laughs) Um, So mostly women and most of us are uh, people of color. Oh, that's so awesome. Let me ask you the last question here. Tell me in 10 years from now, or, you know, if you can't go 10 years, let's do five years. Where is Natalia going to be? Same house, same spot. <laughs> I hope I, I want to be buried in my backyard. Like I'm like, I, this is my house forever. Um, <laughs> where I am at is I want to be in a place of gratitude. I want to be in a place where I can continue to do the work that I'm doing and uh, meaningfully investing in founders like me, founders in this region that may not look like me, but are all in this region and people that are creating solutions that are really just solving real problems that affect communities like mine and like the West End of Louisville. And so I want to be enabling those solutions through access uh, to capital resources and community. So I, I want to continue to do what I do. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, we need more of that happening. And it's taken us a long time to get to where we're at. I think um, 2020 kind of brought a lot of things to light, not just what happened with the pandemic, but a lot of other things that have been really good. And so I think the more we strive for that, the more we're going to break through some of the limiting barriers that we all confront at a certain point in time. You know, you as a Latino woman, I try not to say, oh, this is because I'm Latino and I'm a woman. But there's times where you're just like, this is because I'm a woman. and I'm a, you know. <laughs> Well, I, I like you try not to do that because I don't see that myself uh, with that as my first filter. Uh, you know, I'm a human first and then I just happen to be Latinx and I happen to be a woman. But I think that 
sometimes because we're missing that opportunity in our differences, right? Uh, it's important that we call it out and we do something, right? I think more than anything, what I deeply feel in my bones is that we all have the capacity to affect meaningful change in whatever seat you're in, right? Like, I don't care if you're here or here or at the board level or whatever, you have the capacity to do something meaningful today, not seven years in the future. You don't have to wait. Once I realized that and I was like, oh, I can do what I want to do and get paid and help people and, 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 then the, the gloves were off. I was like, I'm never going back to not doing work that's meaningful, right? So. Right, um, right. I love it. So Natalia, I am so grateful. I know you're a busy woman and I so appreciate you. I know after COVID, I've kind of been off the radar, specifically in Louisville. I hide out in my house. <laughs> um, so I do want to get back to the community. So at some point we will connect, but I thank you so much for being on the show. And I wish you all the best in all your ventures. And I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And I, I look forward to seeing you in real life. <laughs> in real life. All right. When we do another show, we can bring you back and see where you're at in your life and <laughs> what wonderful things you're doing. So I'd love of to course. hear back from you soon. Thank you for listening to The Brand Therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me at Yamoka Rodriguez Branding, Bespoke Branding Agency, or email me at yamoka at yamoka.com. Thanks for listening.